0: Rory Rolls, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Puts his
1: hand out of the and says... Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. Leading up to the Indy 500, we are bringing you another episode joined by Jack Harvey. Jack, congrats on safely making the field, uh, breathing a little bit easier today than than Saturday after that first run?
2: Well, big time, mate. I I can't explain the stress for everybody on qualifying day. Um, You know, just in general, you know, so when you have a a tire issue like we did, uh, you know, it certainly puts uh, all those senses into hyperdrive. So um, definitely feeling a lot more mellow now, for sure.
1: So I, in all the years I've watched racing and been at racetracks, have never seen a tire do that. Do you have Uh, any idea what happened?
2: No, mate, I don't. Um, You know, I've I've never had an issue with a Firestone tire before. Yeah. Um, You know, I I, I think Firestone are one of the best tire manufacturers in the world. Um, You know, I, I don't know how it happened. Uh, I'm not sure they have seen anything like that before, um, you know. But you have to. Everyone has to remember that you know. Each each driver gets you know thirty plus sets of tires, you know, per per car for the Indy 500, and that's the first time I've seen that. So I mean, they probably at this point made you know tens and you know hundreds of thousands of tires without having without having an issue. And um, yeah, it was wild.
1: Yeah, you are the 0.0001% of tire strangeness, and it's happened to you two weekends in a row at Indy. You, you have to feel like there's like some bad luck following you around that, that needs to change.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah kind of. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a funny one, right, because, you know, in the first five races this year, you know, I felt like we've been in position to score – three podiums, battle for four. Um, You know, Texas race one, we had a pretty decent... uh, I think we were running P3 at the time. You know, just on strategy, maybe missed something a little bit, finished seventh. Um, You know, after that, heading to uh, Indy... Sorry, then race uh, two there. It was a very solid P4, maybe just behind Joseph. Yeah. We ended up finishing second, you know, just ahead of uh, Pato at the time, ended up winning... Doesn't mean anything apart from that's where we were on track at the time. We had a an upright uh bearing failure. Um, but the the thing is when you actually look back at it, that was a an assembly issue on our part. You know, so that's not a bad look, that's bad prep. And then going to Indy, you know, we had a tire gun fail, which, you know, is really disappointing. Um, you know, and again, and I'm I'm not sure exactly where I put that uh in the grand scheme of things, but then in the in the melee of trying to uh, get the tyre back on, you know, the stem got hit, which is where the puncture came from. So I would say in the last three, in the last three weekends anyway, or three times on track that have really been important, we've had one thing that's completely out of our control, one that could be 50-50, and then one thing that was in our control. So it's uh, it's been a time, mate. I have to admit, it's been a bit of a weird time for everyone at Myers Chang Racing. The positive things are, we're performing really well. Uh you know, and we're in position to get some great results. We just have to now position ourselves to execute so we uh, so we do get them hopefully starting at the Indy 500.
1: Yeah, I agree there. I know it's it's, a, it's an odd set of circumstances, but to kind of two qualifying questions and then I have a, an off-topic question after that, but this is your first 500 where you've had I don't want to say a, a, a real teammate because you've always had the injury resources, but a, a teammate with a Meyer Shank logo on the, on the front of his fire suit and, and one that you can really talk to. And it's, it's Elio Castroneves. Neves and how, how has that experience been on a, on a personal level and obviously on a, on a driver level over the last, uh, you know, eight days or so now.
2: Yeah. It's probably the number one question I've been getting asked, uh, you know, this 500, it's been awesome. You know, Elio has been everything that you hope someone of his calibre, you know, of his racing achievements would be. Um, you know, incredibly gracious with information and time, you know, that he's prepared to share with me and with everyone at Maya Shank Racing, the way that he's just totally immersed himself with us as a as a team. Um, he's been fantastic. You know, I can't I don't wanna oversimplify it. I, I don't wanna you know, understate or anything like that. I mean, he's been he's been such a dream. Um, you know, I really really enjoy getting to know him. You know, getting to see him work. His understanding and knowledge of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is um, so strong and intense that uh, I just want to be a sponge around him. I want to learn as much as possible. And um, you know, I, it would be so cool to see the O six go full time with elio as the driver i think that's what uh, you know I, I would like to see for sure and uh, you know i feel like he contributes so many wonderful things to the team
1: do you think even in the the weekends now that maybe he's he's not on the team and and going forward or i shouldn't say not on the team not racing with the team that he's able he's been able to impart some wisdom on you or the team that will help the team grow no matter what no matter if he's on the team or or if he's you know totally. retired and, and dancing around you know the retirement home at the age yeah. of sixty that he'll be able to to help out
2: i mean people like him you know he's got he's got so much experience and he's so charismatic and he's good at talking with people you know he always has something good to uh, to offer and um you know at saint pete we chatted before qualifying and you know, he had some good uh you know good advice he did a, you know again before in the road course and you know when I say he's been gracious with his time it's the fact that he comes to the track to support uh me and you know everybody at my shank racing even on the weekends where he's not racing you yeah know? and I think that's the you know sign of a a real great teammate that's why you know yesterday I wanted to be there for his qualifying run and you know try and repay that and you know celebrate with him uh you know and I hope you know, come race day, that, you know, both of us have fantastic races and just finish as far as possible, hopefully, with, uh, you know, a you know, face on the Borg Warner.
1: With, uh, you know, this is your, oh, I, I lost, I, I don't have my sheet up in front of me. Your, your third or fourth 500 attempt now. Obviously, last year there wasn't the threat of bumping, but, you know, for the last couple of years, there, there has been for the most part. With the mindset of you know, kind of doing multiple qualifying runs throughout Saturday, is it is it a little bit I don't know if easier is the right word, but less stressful? uh You know, assuming all four of your tires are working correctly. Now that this format has been around for a couple of years, uh, no, um, uh, <laughs> like there's
2: anything that reduces stress when there's a bump day, um. You know i I remember you know I've seen some really big names go out of bump day and you go back and check the history of it and you know history has been that way as well there's nothing that is uh, not stressful about it and I, I would say the peak stress of the year for me is the Indy 500 qualifying you know not just in terms of driving the car but you know all the implications that would come if you didn't make the race and the first port of call for us was to, uh, you know, simply make the race. And after our first issue on our qualifying room with that tire, that, that quickly became the next goal. Um, it's, it's the most stress of the year for sure.
1: And I have to, I have to ask about the the tire, that your first run again, because we could tell by lap one that something was off. How did you manage to not, put the car in the wall with three and a half tires. How how difficult was that run?
2: Probably just hand to God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was it was it just, let's just hold on for four laps so we can put a time on the board and then worry about it afterwards?
2: I mean, it's a tough one because, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, if, if something worse would have happened and we'd have crashed the car, then immediately we'd have been answering questions, why didn't we pit. You know, and to me, I said to the team after the next time we're in that situation, I will pit. Uh, you know, I radioed and said, "Hey, we've got vibrations." I didn't hear anything back. You know, and at that point, it's not a fun situation to be in because it's only 500 qualifying, right? You know, and you don't know what's going to happen. So at some point, just putting a time on the board obviously was important. Um, I think we, I think that was as most the most amount of risks that you can take <laughs> without something really bad happening. So. You know, that's something me and the team have, have addressed already. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't like that we didn't pit on that situation. But again, you know, since five hundred qualifying I said to the guys like I wasn't gonna be the one to pit myself because, you know, we all work a long time and hard to be here, but you know, in that moment that is where you take the lead of the team, you know, to see it, to you know, obviously be able to check the vibrations on the live telemetry and uh, you know, they were off the charts. So um, I think definitely something to learn to learn from that. And uh, you know, very grateful that the tire stayed together for those four laps. Uh, You know, we didn't have to plug the car off the wall uh, or anything, but um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the team did a very good job in staying calm, getting a fresh set of tires back out and going and doing a rough, uh, doing a run that securely put us in the, 151
1: into the Indy 500. Yeah, well done. Well done by, by everybody on the team. All right, we're going to end this with two much lighter questions here. One of them is fan submitted. I'm pretty sure you could probably guess who submitted this question. Since you're a fellow Star Wars fan, if you could create your own lightsaber, whose would you style it after and what color would it be?
2: Hmm... That's a good question. (laughs) I I always thought Raven's
0: lightsaber was pretty cool. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey there,
2: my name is Michael Amanato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. Uh, Darth Bane had a cool one. I'm Just some things I've seen. I was gonna have a lightsaber. I always thought it'd be cool to have a white one. I like it. You know, which I think they've now in canon. Basically, it's a you know a a, a crystal that has been made to bleed, but then has been like repaired. I guess. So okay. I would need to find. I would need to find one that's. Had a bit of pain, so I could give it some love and bring it back. So, uh, yeah, I think a, a white, I think a white lightsaber would be pretty mega. Uh, pretty mega.
1: As as promised, since we talked at some point last year, I have gone back and I have actually watched the first two Star Wars movies finally. So I, I'm, am-
2: I'm, 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 I'm very happy to hear that. I'm, I'm. We need to pick up the tempo a bit. If you are only, if you are only averaging two a year, mate, you are going to be here for a while. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah i i'm not gonna lie it's you know i'm my it, it is okay yeah that's fair i got i'm trying to think of like a quick excuse on the fly and i really have i'm no,
2: I, I'm, don't get wrong. I'm, I'm very happy that you did it I will, I'm, I'm interested <laughs> to hear on what your what was your feedback did you like it did you enjoy it did you just feel like you had to do it
1: no i i liked it i i listen it's probably not going to be like my favorite movies of all time because I'm a big horror movie guy, but they were enjoyable to
2: watch. So, did you watch which which two did you watch? Let's see if you can even if you can you actually tell him the truth here. Uh,
1: the original, like, no, I. I started with like I guess what would be number four if you're going by like the official fan. Okay. List. So I did four and five, and both were very good movies. You
2: didn't even do,
1: no, I think Did I even
2: finished that trilogy.
1: I think I got partway through it. Like, uh when was the last time I traveled? A couple weeks ago, I was watching it in my Airbnb, and and just uh you know, after I was at Mid Ohio for IMSA, so I, I I was a little worn out after a day at the track.
0: So I'm um, getting. I'm, I don't
2: get, I don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm I'm happy that you started. <laughs> we need to pick up the tempo a little because once we've finished on Star Wars, we're going to go to Harry Potter, and there's. There's another eight movies there, mate. So, you know, we got to pick up the tempo on your TV watching a bit.
1: Oh, I'm good on I'm good on those. I've seen I I couldn't tell you what happened, but I've seen a good chunk of the Harry Potter movies uh, because they're always on TV. I'm
2: I'm not sure if you can say you're good on those if you can't say what happened.
1: Okay, fair point. I f- I feel like this now this this interview has t- has turned its course. So
2: I feel like it's me now interviewing you. <laughs>
1: yeah and and and, and no, it, it, what
2: was your feeling on the qualifying weekend uh
1: i loved it i i it was a blast i wish i could have covered it from the track but you know hopefully covid continues to get better and i can do it next year but yeah. i
2: yeah we all we all hope for that
1: i it's I, I i can't i have trouble like being at a racetrack and just like hanging out and relaxing like i have to do work so even just watching it here like i i felt like i needed to do more than i was doing so i've got one more question i know you've got another interview coming up so we will we will end it this is actually a question from uh colton herda so we're, we're going to continue the question from a driver train here and go with what is your favorite biscuit to have with your cup of tea
2: you know that's like the easiest thing i'm ever going to answer it's a chocolate digestive this year i feel like colton should know that
1: well shame on colton i'm i i will have he's to
2: he's been to the uk he knows the score chocolate <laughs> digestive you know one dunk maybe a second hold out straighten your mouth you know can't can't keep teaching him all these things you know he needs to just at some point remember that
1: well, I will, I will have to send him a message later on tonight because I, I, I kind of figured that because I saw a picture of Colton on the podium over the weekend with Lando Norris from back in the Formula 4 days or, or whatever, it was, Formula something days in, in England. So we will have to give him a hard time about that. But Jack, it's, it's been a pleasure chatting, man. I, I look forward to chatting again soon and, and best of luck this weekend, man. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see you at the track at some point this year.